Welcome to the Service Management Leadership Podcast with Jeffrey Tiefertiller. Welcome back to another Service Management Leadership Podcast. I'm joined by Hank Marquis. Hank, it's great to have you with us. Jeffrey, like, uh, really happy to be here. Thanks thank for you me. for yeah, thank you for taking your time to join us for a couple of podcasts. Audience, Hank is a former Gardner analyst, now as an ex- works as an executive partner at Gardner, but he's representing his personal views, not that at Gardner, those of Gardner. So I just want to make sure I'm explicit at the beginning. Does that sound okay, Hank? That sounds perfect. That's exactly correct. All right. So, but Hank, if those of you all that know, he's been really active on LinkedIn the last few months. And so I wanted to reach out and just have a conversation mainly around the topic of digital experience. Digital experience is one that we may not know by that name, but we all feel digital experience. So Hank, you're passionate about the topic. So what sparked that passion? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I mean, so Dex itself, you know, I'll get to there in a second, but Basically, I've been in IT since I was a kid. Uh, my mom was a systems analyst at IBM, and my dad was a hardware guy. And so, I, I've literally been raised my whole life uh, in and around IT. I went right out of you know uh, right out of the army uh, where I was in IT, right into university and and so on and, and into career. So it's been my uh, my whole life, and it's really been fascinating for me to see the shift from mainframes with just a few people doing payroll to you know, a global economy dependent on it in my lifetime. Pretty amazing. And what really got me intrigued about digital experience is that for the first time, we're actually talking about experience. We, we're, we're kind of shifting away from the word satisfaction, which which we've used forever. And it's uh, really exciting. And that's what that's what drew me back to LinkedIn and uh, wanting to uh, to really um, get involved in because uh, it's a it's a it's a passion of mine, I think, as you'll see over the over the podcast here. I, I'm sure it'll come through in spades. So how has digital experience evolved over time? Because nothing's ever static. And we live in a digital world. Every organization is a digital organization. So how has digital experience evolved over time? So it's it, you're right. IT has always been digital information technology. The scope of it has increased dramatically. It started off, you know, basically in finance, and now it's it's moved forward. And and specifically around digital experience, it it started as satisfaction, and it started with product satisfaction, and then it began to shift to services. And those are those are really really different uh, topics. And so since since that happened, um, uh, really starting in the early '80s. Um, it's gone through quite a progression, and I can I can talk about that more if you like. But the the direct sure. answer is that um, it, you know it's. I'm sorry, I, I interrupted. Saying, sure, I was interrupting you. Say that you can talk about. It. I'm like, sure. What did you talk about? Okay. It? All right. Well, I mean, let's start with everyone. Like most people who grew up in IT, even even going back ten years past that. Uh, familiar with CSAT, right? Customer satisfaction, and that was sort of the the grandfather of all these uh, these approaches. And it, but interestingly, it started in 1980. Most of us who've been to Six Sigma schooling uh, uh, and others have have heard of uh, the Kano model. Well, Dr. Kano was a person, and he invented uh, sort of presented the first model of product satisfaction 
the Kano model, and um, it, it shows delight and dissatisfaction, and it's got cost and, and delivery, and it was really built for product managers, product management. So it wasn't really for IT, but interesting, we're still we're still using a lot of it. So that was the beginning of it all, and then sort of it stayed there for a long time. And then in the late 80s, 1988, a group of researchers in marketing put together the first complete theory of satisfaction, service satisfaction. Um, and uh, those folks were called psychometricians, which is an interesting word. It sounds scary. Uh, and um, it's, it, the, the field is called psychometrics. And that is all about measuring emotions and feelings, which are a little less logical than, you know, bits and bytes and pieces of software. So that was 1988. And, and that model includes uh, understanding of how people come to the conclusion. And then the really interesting thing that made it complete was that they showed how dysfunction within the IT provider organization or the service provider organization results in dissatisfaction and specifically which components and they got it related. So it's a, a bi-directional model that you can say, I have dissatisfaction. Well, let me use Servqual to figure it out. Or I want to build a service that is great. And you say, well, let me use Servqual to design it. So it's, it's bi-directional. That was pretty impactful. It was pretty heavy. It was published in a marketing journal for professors. <laughs> so some people have a hard time getting their mind around it. And uh, the good news is a lot of it can be automated and AI can do a lot of the thinking these days. But between then and now, in 2003, we got Net Promoter Score. And uh, that was a, that was in direct response to this. It was like, you know, that serve call stuff is heavy. We need one question. Let's have one question we can ask. And so uh, so they came up with, uh, they, they found some statistical validity and would you recommend me to a friend or my business to a colleague, that kind of thing. And what's interesting about NPS is it really it really does uh, code very well into one of the serve qual five factors, one called assurance or loyalty. So it's so it's got legs. It's statistically good. You know, if you ask NPS and someone will recommend it, that means they're 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 uh, they've been satisfied with the encounters and they'll recommend the service. It it's not diagnostic. It won't tell you why they're not satisfied if they're not, and it's not bidirectional. But it's but it's a good pulse, and that's the way to look at it. Um, and then uh, it, it works pretty well. It still works today. And in 2010, we got customer effort score, which is the same thing, only different. It asks a different question. Did we help you solve your problem is fundamentally its question. And that actually codes higher for loyalty, but a lot of people use it in customer service. Um, obviously, if we're talking about, did we help you, you know, accomplish your goal or solve a problem where we're more tilted towards the, that side of the business. Um, and then everything stayed exactly the same. Uh, there were guys like me flogging the serve call wagon, <laughs> you know, and doing it manually for, for years. Um, and then um, recently with the pandemic, the whole idea of digital experience and really took off. And uh, the sort of that, the, the, the idea that one size doesn't fit all and, and, we, and we could customize at scale, um, you know, came out of the, you know, some of the solutions that we're, we're putting out there. Um, and uh, so all of a sudden everybody's digital and, and even topics like digital friction come up where, where people are experiencing a little bit of overload and, and it's hard to work from home and, and that kind of thing. So, so it's, um, it's, you know, it's a continuous evolution. It keeps optimizing. And, uh, but what they all have in common is a drift away from a physical operational focus of IT and, and a shift more and more towards the human humanistic side, the emotional side, the, the feelings. Um, would I recommend you? That's based on feelings. Did I help you? That's based on my perception, um, uh, you know, and so on as we, as we get on that path. So uh, I, think, I think that humanistic side and, and using psychometrics to really 
think about how we run uh, an, an, uh, an IT organization is, is the right way to think about it and how and learning how others feel about products and services and then diagnosing that and reverse engineering it backwards. As I said, that this is the brave new future that actually scares a lot of people. Most IT people are not, I don't know that they're ready or they haven't made the shift in perception yet to be able to say, you know, I really need to stop looking at all my, my gauges and start talking to people. <laughs> Many people get into IT because they didn't want to talk to people. <laughs> well, you bring up two, two points I'd like to push in on, if I may. One is, the I don't want to say it's a disconnect, but the tension between psychometrics. So we measure feelings. And now we have people in IT who everything is pretty binary, right? <laughs> Not to be pun intended there, but right, everything's right, right. pretty binary. And so those two are at odds sometimes, right? Like how I feel versus yes, no. And my feelings are really on a spectrum. You know, mm -hmm. my feelings, do you have a good day today is rarely it was awesome or it was horrible. It's somewhere on that spectrum. That's the first thing. And the second thing is all of these are, I I want to be bold if I may. No. The things that we've used in the past, I don't think we can use in the future. I don't think those past models will carry organizations where they want to go. So so a couple of points, I'll work backwards. Um, I, so it's not an either or. Right. So right. I, uh, imagine a world in the future where NPS or CES or both, because if you look at it, NPS. So so there's a the surf call model has an easy to remember framework. It's called Raider. And, and, the, and the way our brains work is we like reliability. And that means it does the service does what I, what I expect it to do. Um, it does it with assurance, which means I can trust it. It has tangibles, knobs, dials, interfaces, books that I can understand. The provider is empathetic. They include me in it. They, I'm, I'm, they're not doing it to me. They're doing IT with me. And then responsiveness. It's all those things when I need them, right? So if you think about the Raider model, that's a, it's a, it's a good way to think about uh, uh, how the brain works because those are the five psychometric factors. Um, so now you take a look at NPS. NPS codes to assurance. That's one of the five. CES codes to reliability and responsiveness. So now you got three out of the five. Um, and uh, empathy basically codes to engagement, right? So if you have HR engagement scores, you can you can pull that one. And so now you got four out of the five. So there's some proxies that can point us in a direction. Um, and so that's you know maybe a, a little more a little more futuristic. But so you can still use those tools. And if you sense dissatisfaction, you can drop in with a heavier approach. And, and heavy is the wrong word. A more comprehensive approach, a diagnostic approach, is the way that I describe it. To be able to say, okay, so I got to roll up my sleeves and I, I got to go to work here. It's just like when we used to work in a I used to work in a data center. I had a push cart, I had an oscilloscope, I had other things to tools, right? So. Yep, something's wrong. Well, let me get the toolbox. Well, this the, the IT toolbox is just getting just getting bigger. And so that's kind of, you know, working backwards about the, you know, maybe we won't use them in the future. Maybe we will or someone will come up with another one, but they'll be used in combination with something else. I think the other thing to remember is, is you're absolutely right. The, the, the SurfQual was was a complete framework. Um, and it wasn't just like a piece It synthesized a lot. And one of the things they have as a really catchy name, it's called Zot. <laughs> the zone of tolerance and the zone of tolerance is, is, is in your brain. You, you know, you, you say, well, I'm ordering a pizza. I really want it to get here hot because I want to eat, eat it as soon as it gets here. So that's your expectation. I want, oh, and I want the, the toppings on it that I ordered. I <laughs> so I want my pizza the way I ordered it and I want it hot. Those are my expectations. And then when the pizza gets here and it's cold and, and it's got, uh, you know, you know, heaven forbid broccoli and mushrooms on it, 
um, then, uh, you know, wow, my perceptions have been smashed. Uh, my expectations have been smashed, right? So that's the basis of the zone of tolerance is to say, what is the minimal? And you can measure that. At what point does the, each of the five factors have to be for me to be successful? And then where do I want them to be? And now you've been able to build a box or a zone with an upper and a lower level. And as long as, and it's, you know, another catchy phrase, as long as you can keep your delivery in the zone, yeah. why they're satisfied, they're, they're okay with it because you're doing the job you need to do. So, so that's, that's kind of the answer there, Jeffrey, working backwards. So the only two things I'll add, and I don't disagree with anything you said, a NPS is mis has been misused in a lot of organizations that I've seen. And where I was going is the way we think of the experience problem or whatever, whatever that opportunity we're trying to solve, mm -hmm. those can be tools, but I think we have we will soon have to look at those from a different angle. I think that just understanding who our stakeholders are and how they've changed over the years, I think a lot of that dynamic that we in IT just haven't been that aware to aware of yeah. you. Know I mean, like we just we think, oh, that NPS is for the marketing people, and then the marketing people come over and they show us, and we say, well, in in New York, you know, a six is really good, but over on the West Coast, an, a nine is average. And you know, and yeah. you're trying to synthesize all that, and you then you go across countries, and anyway, all oh, yeah. I meant is we're going to have to see the the old problems through new eyes and whether right. we can leverage the old tools or not, we're just going to have to see the problem statement differently. You're right. And, and, uh, and just in closing on that one, this is where the issue and the opportunity lies with it leaders, it folks in general, it's not binary. It's not like, don't like it's shades of gray. Because that's how people are. We're analog machines. The human brain is analog. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that's how we operate. And so that's always been the problem. And um, I think it's coming to the forefront, to your point. So we've talked about where we've been. Let's talk about where we're going. What do you what do you see the future of digital experience? We've talked a little, we've talked around it, but where do you see the future? So I, I kind of described the future a little bit. So so near term, uh, what we're seeing, what I'm seeing at least, is that a recognition of the idea that the operational is insufficient, necessary but insufficient. Right, H having a dial that shows me the capacity of the server, hard drive, or whatever is is you know a storage is necessary. And yes, you can predict if it fills up and we can't print reports, bad things will happen. But that's all reactive. So I think it's a shift into the proactive. Um, and I think that the it's it's um, it, it, it's leading with satisfaction. And that's what you were kind of talking about. It, it's it's the idea that I can't decide I know what's best for employees because I'm the super smart IT guy or gal or geek right. or whatever. Um, I have to go talk to them. And that's where I was going with, you know, ideas around co-creation and engaging and empathy. It's actually one of the five factors. If you don't go and talk to them, here's an example, Jeffrey, uh, you know, your background is, you know, is, is uh, pretty broad. Uh, so when is the last time you saw a senior strategy meeting where maybe the CIO or the VP of IT and directors and VPs, when's the last time you saw a frontline worker invited to those meetings to talk about the strategy for a new solution that will make or break that employee's job experience, you know, their their kids' college, their new car, their whatever. 
never, never, never. <laughs> yeah. and, and even I want to take it a step further. How we in IT talk to finance is different than how we talk to marketing. And so that should, we should talk differently. We should talk to finance in numbers and digits in marketing and outcomes and whatever. All I meant is it's pushing us to your point, And I'm going to let you finish. I just think it's, it's just that we're in a brave new frontier right now. Yeah. Uh, couldn't agree more. I mean, that's what's so fascinating and exciting about this all the way back to your first question. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and, and, you know, but this is natural progression away from one size fits all. And we're, you know, we're starting to see co-creation take hold. We're starting to see people shifting or actually doing what they should have done all along with service level agreements, which aren't just, you know, uh, Monday through Friday from nine to five, 89.5% or something like that to uh, a satisfaction level of this. And, I, and I'd and i like to see that go even further, a responsiveness of this. We kind of do that, you know, an assurance level of this and, uh, you know, so and so many meetings. I mean, putting things in there that cover the easy way to step back and look at it is we the SLAs today are really great operational. Well, you know, they're operational documents. Um, some are good um, and others are useful. Uh, and but it we what what it is, is it's the inclusion of the humanistic. That's what's changing with everything we're talking about today. We can't just keep doing it. That whole idea of, uh, you know, co-creation um, involving people, their sentiments, their desires, their needs, their wants. Those are scary terms. For some folks, and and to your point, right? To your as you were saying, um, uh, you know that's you know, and it's it's my belief that that's going to separate the the leaders that win from the leaders that don't, is how willingly they they incorporate those, and you can see it. Yeah, uh, uh, you can see organizations that really do engage and co-create, and and the 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 value created in terms of market whatever it is they how they judge their market is phenomenal so there's good models pretty soon everyone's going to have to do it well i want to take a step further you got me all excited hank so i apologize to the listeners so two things on the slas well we measured the wrong things and i think there's a lot of reasons why but a lot of it has to do with being the use of a third parties all that sort of things because we want to put those slas to keep them in line you know all that kind of junk but to your point, SLAs and all this other that we're talking about is trying to understand what st outcomes our stakeholders want and need, and then working right. backwards and saying, how do we measure that? And yeah. that outcome has a layer of experience with it that has to be included, is what I think you're saying. Yeah, I, I think you said it really well. To totally agree with that. You start backwards. I mean, it starts with the results, the outcomes that are expected. I mean, that's one of the many definitions of a service is that there's a result somebody wants to obtain. <laughs> so they bring somebody in. So if you, but, but, you know, interestingly, so many people in IT don't know what that is. And there's, there's, a, I used to, you know, I used to say, you know, we're just normal people. And I used to teach a lot of classes on the topic. And I'd say, you know, when we walk, when we go to work, there's like a magnetic door or a shield or a field we walk through to get into the data center. All of our humanity stripped away. Common sense is no more. You know, we don't talk to any of them. They're just users. I mean, think of those words. I mean, they have names, they have faces, they have stories, they have desires and wants. And most people in IT don't have a clue what that is. They don't know what those people do. They're in sales. They sell stuff. Yeah, but like how exactly do they sell stuff? And who, who, when's the last one you talked to? So that's that's the shift. 
that's that's what separates the winners from the losers because that's the only way you get to know what what reasons they're there for uh, you know what what is the purpose of their job or their role or their position the outcomes the results they're supposed to deliver it's not just selling stuff <laughs> right and take that step further if we are if we are assigning resources to things that don't matter to our stakeholders that will soon become technical debt that's wasteful and so you know in today's finite resource constrained world we have to be able to align those yeah we, we do and that's and that's where the optimization should come from i hear people talking about what tools can we get rid of it's like well why don't you start with the job to be done and then think about which tools you can optimize to deliver that job and then that'll help you understand where you might have opportunities to tune some things down or off. Right, which is a great point. So now you led me to our final question. What are a couple things, two, three, four, that leaders could either know better or put into practice about digital experience? So I think the first one real, so that's a great question. I think the first one really is 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 understanding that measuring satisfaction during a service encounter using any of the one questions or even csat a bunch of questions that aren't aren't psychometrically valid isn't measuring experience what what you're really doing is measuring technology essentially you're you're measuring satisfaction with it not necessarily their experience and the outcomes they're trying to achieve so th those other tools are just the proxies for satisfaction they're not measuring experience so that, that that's the first one and 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 if you don't mind i just throw a real quick you know case study in there about the difference because some people really don't get that so so uh, i used to live in a place um where we had really severe storms in the winter and my internet was always going out like every time, oh, internet's gonna go out poof there it was boy if you'd have asked me if i liked or was satisfied with my internet provider i'd have said 100 no i i recommend staying away now but they never asked me that question. Instead, when they sent the repair person out, well, his name was Dan. So I'll just say it is Dan. Thanks, Dan. Uh, so, so Dan would come, he'd go to the pole, he'd do some mysterious things. He'd come inside and he'd check the box and everything. And he wore these little pieces to keep the snow and the mud off the floor, which was awesome. <laughs> Keeps the carpet clean, right? So, right. but they always asked me, you like Dan? Do you like Dan a lot? Would you recommend Dan to a friend? I'm like, absolutely, I would. But but I hate you, right? But they never asked me that, right? So there's a difference. So one is one is you know experience, quality of experience with my provider, bad um, quality of experience, or shall we say satisfaction, which is a moment in time versus the the overall experience. Um, sure, happy. So you can't look at a pulse. Are you happy? Yeah, I am right now. I just got a raise, right, <laughs> or whatever it is. Uh, so and and so that's like the first one. I think. On a second point, everything we're talking about here, Jeffrey, is under the control of the leaders that are out there listening to this right now. Every single one of them. You, you can do this. It's your call to do this. And I'm going to, it's so, you know, just make satisfaction your North Star. And by that, I mean, I, I talk about it with, with, with folks I work with. Often I talk about a compass, you know, sort of a psychometric compass, which is, um, you know, what is it you need, Jeffrey? What are you trying to achieve? What are the results you want? Well, I actually have to talk to people. Um, there's different gaps in ServQual. And gap one is 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 where the, the people at the top don't know what's going on at the bottom. So don't be that person. <laughs> don't. That's the number one reason things fail. And it's also a bit of a butterfly effect. If you don't get the strategy right, if you don't understand the job to be done, the results that have to happen for this work group pod or whatever, then 
then that cascades through design. Now you've got a, you've got degrees of variation in design. That goes to transition where it amplifies. That goes to operations and then delivery. Next thing you know, you've got this mess. And so, so this is all under your control. It, it's completely doable. Focus on the job, the jobs to be done, the results, the outcomes, whichever word resonates with you, and work backwards, like you said earlier, Jeffrey. That's that's probably the one of the best one of the best uh, you know things you can do. So that's I, and maybe and maybe one other one, just as a reinforce another point you made earlier, is that the people that do the job know how best to do the job or what needs to be done. So don't assume you know because you talk to their boss who's four levels of management above them, what they need to know. So I, I think that if you put those three things together, you've got a pretty good place to start. Uh, and I think we're pretty clearly saying, talk to the people that you, you you serve and understand them and engage them and things and pick a, and then pick one group and fix something, make it better and the rest will happen. And I would even broaden it out that stakeholders are wide. You know, your stakeholder could be security, but they're not really a user or risk and they're not really a user. And we have to include that whole outside in viewpoint of experience, at least in my book. Hank, it's great having you on with us. He'll be back next week, folks. And so, Hank, thank you for joining us uh, this time on the Service Management Leadership Podcast and uh, sharing your wealth of knowledge. Thanks a lot, Jeffrey. I enjoyed it. Looking forward to the next one. Have a great day, everyone.